is the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greeny. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars, and their learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences, and have a good laugh along the way. everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. So very happy today to have my lovely friend Elliot Antrobus Holder on who is a Chief Digital Officer and Non-Exec Director. So Elliot is a highly experienced leader of digital transformations. He's led successful programs across complex multinational organizations in pharmaceuticals, travel and banking. He's an advisory also as well to Newbury Building Society and a trustee at the University of Surrey. Um, I had the pleasure of working with Elliot on a short project at Jet2 a couple of months ago, which is where we first met up in Leeds. Hello, Elliot. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. You, you, you make me sound incredibly grand and important with your intro, so thank you. <laughs> Did I get, do a good enough job? Your you, you tenor's in the post. <laughs> this I is, can do that. To be I can fair, do that every time like, I walk into the room. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it's like it's, you've got a pretty amazing background and track record. I mean, I was just, I've heard a lot about you, um, particularly... Um, Obviously, when Ellie was speaking to you with regards to Jet2, and then we had you on site at Jet2, and even even after then, I mean, Ellie's always singing your praises um, in the office. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been great to to finally get you on the podcast. Um, and I was having a look at your profile um, prior to to um, to getting you on, and I was just like, oh my god! I was looking at all the companies going down the list, and I was just like, wow! It's like brand after brand after brand. Um, and obviously you've, you know, you've really worked your, your way up to, um, a, a, you know, obviously a very senior position. Um, so it would be great to just kind of start with and, and kick off with telling me and us and, and the listeners all about your journey. Um, you know, where did it all begin? How mm. did it begin? And how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Uh, and I would love to say the story started with, an, with a very clear plan and a strategy of where I was going. It didn't at all. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm completely honest, my journey started through complete laziness at university. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, it's a uni story, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I say, that's a u- usual story. But at, at university, I was, I was studying marketing. And I was one of these students, I really didn't, well, didn't want to go and get a part-time job. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to be out with everybody else, drinking, having fun, doing whatever you do at university. So anyway, I decided what, what are the things that I could do to make money um, whilst not needing to go and get a part-time job? I thought I could build and monetize websites and mobile apps. Um, it was a great idea. Didn't know how to code. Had no idea what I was doing. Um, but decided that I was going to learn how to code and, and build websites and mobile apps. And then I was going to monetize them. And that's exactly what I did. Wow. Um, and one of my su- most successful sites, I had two of them, in fact. One was a photo printing website. God, that sounds old now. <laughs> Nobody gets photos printed these days, but it was a photo printing website. So you could, um, it was basically com- comparing the deals that you could get on various um, other offers. And the other one was a financial comparison website. So for credit cards and loans and mm. stuff. And I monetized them. 
and got kind of kickbacks if anybody then went and bought a product. Um, and it was actually, it was pretty successful and managed wow. to make a, a reasonable amount of money out of it. And it did well enough to not have to worry about working all the way through uni. And that, that, that's that was how it started. Uni. Yeah, that was at uni. Yeah. And how did, what, how did you learn the code? What did you... Honestly, YouTube, Google, wow. if, if, if any developer had probably looked at the code, they probably would have been like, oh my God, that is shocking. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, it, was, it, was, it was good enough. And I was really good at search engine optimization. So I was really good at getting them to rank quite highly on Google. Mm. Um, so that was, that was where I made the money, really. It was, it, was, it was being really clever with kind of content and SEO and everything else and getting them to rank highly on Google. And then on monetizing it and making, making it into a small business. And, um, and then on, on graduation, I was, I was obviously, as you do, talking to your parents around what you're going to do now, go and get a proper job. And I was like, no, I'm going to go and be an entrepreneur. And I'm going to go and build these websites and I'm going to become a multimillionaire. And basically my parents are like, don't be stupid. Go and get a proper job. <laughs> you, can, mm-hmm. you can do that in your, in your free time if you want to, but go and get some proper experience. And um, interestingly, obviously, one of my websites was a, was a financial comparison website. And I've been working with HSBC, who had been running advertising and various other bits. So I got in contact with them. Um, and it just so happened that they were looking for um, some kind of graduates to come on in their graduate scheme. Um, and I kind of put myself forward, um, but specifically said, I only want to work in digital. That is it. I don't, I don't want to do rotations in HR. I don't want to go anywhere else. Just digital. That's it. Tech and digital is where I want to be. Um, and they, they agreed to it. And so I yeah, jumped straight into a job at HSBC. Um, and within probably six months or so, I was running um, a lot of their kind of digital advertising and affiliate programs and other stuff for their credit card division. Because at the time, they didn't really have um, many people in the team there who knew what they were doing. And obviously with having run it as a kind of small business relatively successfully. Um, I was pretty good at that stuff. So very lucky to jump in at the kind of the right time at the right place. <laughs> Amazing. Then, so it's, you've kind of gone from there. So finishing with, and you were with HSBC for a while, weren't you? In progress? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was really lucky um, that at the time digital was just exploding. HSBC. So they, they yeah. were obviously rationalizing their, their branch network, moving everybody online. Um, and really the digital team was just growing and growing and growing. So I was really lucky to have a whole bunch of different roles covering everything from digital development to e-commerce to marketing. So it was a really well-rounded kind of career and ended up, this is probably in my late twenties or so, um, actually heading up digital for the whole of the UK. Um, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Which, yeah, which was incredibly, incredibly scary, <laughs> but also incredibly kind of fun time. Um, I, I was just really lucky, actually, that the, um, the, the CMO at the time was, was a great mentor and, and kind of sponsor of, of mm-hmm. me and really kind of backed me up and had, had my back the whole way through. Um, because, yeah, to have somebody with only really a few years experience under their belt running what was probably... 30-ish percent at the time of, of all of HSBC sales were coming from there, all the customer interactions. They had probably just shy of 4 million customers interacting online and through the mobile app. Yeah, that was quite a, quite a big deal. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but when I look back now, I think, 
oh my god I wouldn't have been that brave to give somebody that <laughs> kind of opportunity um but yeah it was definitely fun it was definitely and fun then, and then you went on to um um Barclays in in a director group digital director position mm. um what was the reason you moved from HSBC to Barclays how did that come about and then tell us a bit more about where you went from from there yeah so so really after after being at HSBC for quite a while um it, that was a very operational role mm. very focused on kind of running the business day to day driving leads sales building new features products that kind of stuff and I, I wanted to move into a really strategic role where you could really drive and move the whole business and this was this was just post banking crisis um at barclays um, Bob Diamond, the CEO, had kind of been ousted, and there was, it was it was all in the news, and it was it was it was everywhere. Um, Anthony Jenkins, new CEO, had come in and wanted to completely reorganise Barclays and to become a really customer centric, but really digital, digitally and technology enabled bank. And he wanted to use that kind of as the cornerstone for the, the bank and to really push that. And, and they they've, they've stuck true to that pretty much to this day. Um, they're still probably the most techn- technologically um, enabled and digitally driven bank out there, uh, or at least of the big banks anyway. Um, and I wanted to be kind of front and center of that. And my my role there was really leading their digital strategy um, and innovation teams really across the whole banks so and not just the consumer facing retail bank, but also across um, the investment bank, across corporate banking, um, across their consumer finance division. So it was, it was a big big kind of broad role mm. and, and the exciting bit for me was actually that that they wanted digital and tech to be front and center of everything that they were doing everything from how they were positioning the brand for the bank to how they were engaging customers you name it kind of they wanted it to be front and center and that for me i was like wow that's, that's a huge opportunity um so jump jumped across the road literally because barclays is pretty much next door to hsbc mm. uh, and yeah, for two years, really helped to define what their digital strategy was, um, to define what kind of products and services they were launching, to um, work on a lot of their um, partnerships with startups and fintech ecosystems, building that out. Um, yeah, it was an incredible couple of years and amazing to be able to work with um, people in different areas of industries so and not just the traditional kind of retail bank I was working before, but also kind of investment banking um corporate banking um the kind of credit card division yeah it was just an incredible couple of years but i'd say it was pretty crazy um and after that i'd really had enough of banking and (laughs) it it was super fun but it was just the craziest probably few years in my life and i thought i really like now to get some experience kind of outside of banking and in in a completely different sector um which is when an, an opportunity came up at tui and my, my career has largely been with big brands and businesses mm. that know they need to use digital and technology, but not necessarily always too sure how to, how to do it. And um, TUI was in a place where a really successful holiday company, in fact, Europe's biggest holiday and travel company, um, but very traditional as well. And they're, they're, they're historically, most of their holidays have been sold um, through their high street branches. And obviously at the time, Expedia and Booking.com um, were really taking all their market share. Yeah. And unfortunately, the majority of their kind of core customer groups were pretty much just dying off. Um, 
and and everybody who was kind of in the younger segments would were quite happy to book and organize holidays themselves and book a flight here and a hotel there um so i was brought in really to to build out um the kind of digital proposition and to move them away from this really traditional high street selling model to um this completely digitized selling model and when i when i started i thought oh, that, make, that makes sense mm. i was like that's kind of a bit me too because expedia and booking.com and everybody else can do that stuff way better than than anybody probably else else can do so we spent probably the first few months thinking well what what's what's tui's real differentiator and actually um they're quite different to other holiday companies because they own every single piece of the holiday journey so they own the distribution of the holidays and the packaging they mm-hmm. own the planes they own the hotels and they own the excursions and everything you can do when you're in in resort and you're on holiday and there's not really any other holiday company around that owns every single part of that whole holiday journey. So, so my focus was then, right, great. How do we sort the distribution out to compete with Expedia and Booking? And then build digital products that really span the whole holiday journey and make it completely different to everybody else out there. So front and center to that was the mobile app where we thought actually right where you can research holidays you can book holidays you can check into your flight you can check into your hotel you can book and reserve excursions and stuff to do and that's what we really focused on was was, yeah differentiating and building that out because um it's the one area where two we could really be different to to everybody else fantastic um and then you got into pharmaceuticals yeah slight change (laughs) 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 <laughs> well it, interestingly the, the the i ended up at gsk actually through um some relationships i built whilst at barclays oh, right. so, um whilst at barclays a couple of the um executives from gsk had reached out to me um and kind of said hey we'd love to hear about barclays journey um and how kind of this this very traditional kind of banking brand has moved into a completely different space um, and has really made success of it. So I actually went and, and spent a couple of days um, with GSK's kind of top 300 leaders um, in workshops and, and presentations and various other pieces and basically telling them the story of, of what, what, what we'd done at Barclays. Um, and I kept in contact with a bunch of those um, execs at, at GSK ever since um, and one day got a call and said, hey, look, we're, we're, we're really serious about this digital transformation now, um, and we want somebody to come in to come and, come and lead it. So after various conversations, that there I was at, at GSK um, in a completely new area of where I knew nothing about pharma. Um, I completely underestimated just how complex <laughs> yes. pharma was as an industry. Um, <laughs> I'd gone in and thought, oh, it's the same problems. It'd be, it'd be fine. It'd be no problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely underestimated just how complex, how highly regulated and, and, and just how complicated it was. And I think it honestly took me probably six months to get my head around um, how a farmer business operates. Mm. And the, when, when people are sat there talking to you about um, multiple myeloma drugs for oncology, and I'm like, whoa, well, I don't even know where to start on that, <laughs> let alone how you start targeting um, kind of healthcare professionals and start talking to them about how this molecule is more important than that molecule. And I was like, whoa. But um, I was, after a six-month learning journey, I probably I got my head around it. And mm. um, my role there 
was kind of threefold. One was to um, drive a digital transformation. So mm-hmm. um, pharma companies are having a really tough time these days, largely because um, they can't talk to healthcare professionals easily because um, doctors are busier than ever, even more so nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. The traditional model they used to have was they'd send sales reps into um, a doctor's surgery. They're, that sales rep would then talk to the doctor about a group of patients they had and would say, hey, you've got a group of patients with severe asthma. We've got this great drug. And here are all the reasons why this drug is scientifically better than the other drugs you might be using to, to treat those patients. But because they couldn't get in to talk to them, it's very hard to kind of tell that story and then very hard to get prescriptions and very hard to help patients. But I, I kind of felt um, actually there's a really important role there to play because some of these drugs are actually really life-changing for some of the patients um and that was probably the most rewarding thing for me is actually some meeting some of the patients that mm. actually had been really helped by some of the drugs that gsk had produced um and actually had only been prescribed those drugs because of either digital products or platforms that we'd introduced to help that conversation with the doctor um so yeah so the strategy all, all sat with me um the execution and build of all digital platforms beneath that sat with me so everything from um, CRM to um, marketing automation to um, the sales platforms that all of the reps used in over 100 markets um, all sat with me wow. and then also all the all the data analytics teams as well so um, I had a team roughly about 950 people wow um, yeah covering yeah strategy development execution um, shared services yeah it was pretty 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 big um but was, yeah, great got... role with lots of travel i did tra- yeah i did travel a fair bit <laughs> yeah lots of travel <laughs> cool so um so let's talk a bit more i guess where you, about where you are now and where you are today um obviously you're um you're um in a couple you're do, doing some kind of advisory um positions um you're a trustee um as well at the university of surrey um, what um, what challenges are you dealing with right now um, or have you been dealing with in the last kind of couple of months apart from the obvious obviously that yeah. the whole world's dealing with um, but what you know what's what are your problem areas and challenges currently so I, I, it's, it's a really interesting time at the moment actually and I, I, th- I think a lot of companies that I'm speaking to at the moment are needing more guidance and support than ever um, and COVID and all the current current situations and the no doubt recession, everything else that's going to follow to a certain extent, whether it's a short or, or a quick recession, I've no doubt there will be one. I, I, I think that's forcing companies to really think about how they best use technology and digital in the best ways. But the time, but it's, it's really strange timing. So a lot of companies are not necessarily in a place where they want to make big commitments in putting kind of, c-suite executives or building huge teams out so i think actually it's a really interesting time for people who either want kind of a portfolio type career or are in the kind of consulting and kind of interim or advisory type space because actually i think it's really fun times for that because a lot of companies need people with these kind of skills and capabilities um, to come in advise support consult point them in the right direction push nudge challenge and that's that's actually something i really enjoy um, and actually, I've really enjoyed over the last few weeks um, 
I've, I've been working on all sorts of different projects from everything from housing associations to different parts of the government to yeah university of surrey newby building society and, and actually it's, it's really intellectually challenging to try and work out one how you understand those businesses and two how you can really quickly help point them in the right direction and give them useful advice or support to get them through these kind of times um and that's been quite fun actually cool sounds interesting um so would you say it's, it's a good time for you right now then from an advisory point of view mm. quite a lot of kind of people reaching out to you and businesses reaching out to you for your help and advice Honestly, my, my phone's probably never been busier. Wow. Um, I, I, I would say at the moment, it's, yeah, it's largely all companies looking yeah, for that advisory, consulting, kind of short-term support um, because they're completely uncertain. There's so much change in the market. Nobody really knows what, what it's going to be like in six weeks' time, yeah. let alone six months. Yeah. Um, so a lot of companies are actually really valuing the opportunity to have kind of a trusted advisor that or consultant they can bring in, um, mm-hmm. be it for a short-term project or a couple of days support here and there, um, just to yeah, help them out, point them in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and typically, again, I, I'm, I'm talking to quite um, kind of digitally technology, kind of immature businesses mm-hmm. um, or more traditional businesses that have suddenly thought, God, this, this yeah, we need I to change, we need to do something. Journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's what would you say is the like the one kind of key um bit of advice that you could get you know that you've I guess the one key question that you've been asked by all these businesses to help with and what and as an outcome of that, what could you kind of what one bit of advice could you give to the listeners given the current times? I, I, I would say there's there's a huge misconception that kind of digital transformation needs to be expensive. Um, I, I think a lot of these companies um, have unfortunately spoken to some of the big advisories, you, you kind of big, big four, um, I won't name them, but you, you, everybody knows who they are. Um, and they've been quoted kind of multi-million pound transformation programs. Um, and they're in a space where, again, because of all the change in the market, they don't want to commit um, to that kind of level of spend because it's, it's just, it's just too much. Too I much. should imagine it's signing up to like quite lengthy contracts. Yeah, multi-year contracts, replatforming, re- just doing everything. At the mm. moment, I think a lot of businesses just want quick, um, kind of agile, very nimble support to help them make work best what they're running with at the moment. And that's probably where I come in, in terms of they, they just want somebody to take an objective view of where they are, what they've got, and how they can make best use of it at the moment and to do it in a way that's not going to cost them tens of millions of pounds, but it's going to come out in making a notable impact in the next kind of 30, 60, 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to improve experience for their customers and it's going to do it in, in ideally a, a, a way that's going to allow them to come out cost, cost benefit with a cost benefit on it. Um, so they can actually drive some new revenue or income or make some cost saves. Um, so that's typically, yeah, the kind of, conversations we're having at the moment where yeah unfortunately nobody wants to step into big long-term commitments right now mm, yeah of course brilliant it would be great obviously it's a challenging time at the moment for leadership um challenging time for everyone you've led some pretty big teams 
across all across um all across the world so it'd be fantastic to get more of an idea about your leadership style and how you use that to i guess motivate and empower people that's, that's a tough question I, 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 <laughs> um, yeah i i think thinking back i think there's probably only two very big kind of inflection points in my career um one was probably hsbc um and this is sounds a bit corny but it's, it's probably quite true but it's, this is kind of, kind of the point where you step up i stepped up from being kind of a manager mm. um, to being a leader so um when i stepped up to lead digital for hsbc in the uk i went from leading a team of like two or three people to suddenly leading a team of like 40 um, and having huge objectives, having P&L that you need to, need to manage. Um, that was a huge step up. Um, and I, I think that for me was where I suddenly had to think, right, you need to, you need to think differently. You can't run and manage a team in the same way that you have done previously. Um, and that was where I probably shifted. And again, thank God I had great support and mentorship and, and everything else in place. But I probably shifted to a point where I then said, right, I'm the person that's got to set the direction mm. um, and actually then move the team to being accountable for that. And I think I probably stayed true to that ever, ever to this day of actually being really clear on what's the goal? Where do we want to get to? What do we want to achieve? Um, and then really clearly just giving each of the team clear accountability for, for what's their role in helping to get to that. Um, and I, I think as a leader, I, I'm not the sort of person who will get heavily involved in, in detail or micromanaging or anything like that. I'll, I'll, I'll give the team complete autonomy in terms of how they want to get to that goal, as long as the outcome's achieved. Um, but then I, I think it's really important to have the right team around you. Um, Definitely. Yeah, you, you've, you've got to work in a team where um, you really trust that those people know what they're doing yeah. and that they're working in a way that works for you. Um, which I think is, again, is, is only, is only built over time. And, um, again, I think that's something I've kind of kept true to even in the largest teams, you need a really strong team around you who know their place, know how things work, kind of that well-oiled machine. Um, so HSBC, that was, that was probably where it started. And then at GSK was probably the other kind of inflection point where suddenly I've gone from managing teams of kind of like 30, 40 people to managing departments and functions um, and that's a whole different ball game um, <laughs> when, when you, you you've just got to kind of trust your, your level in, in, of trust in the team go, goes from 40 people you can kind of see what's going on it's it's easy to kind of keep control of everything 900 people you've got no chance yeah. you, you have no chance of knowing absolutely what's going on so so then you've just got to have complete illicit kind of implicit trust in the team um, <laughs> and your role really then becomes on much more kind of emotional type leadership of, of, of actually getting everybody on the journey, motivated, excited, and on the journey and wanting to be behind you, especially yeah. when you're delivering bloody complex stuff like um, replatforming huge platforms over a hundred markets in record time. You need everyone <laughs> to be really kind of lined up behind you and just ready to go. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think, I think, yeah, I think one, one of my... You're very great at that, though. I think that kind of like the energy and enthusiasm that you bring to things is certainly why I enjoyed working with you so much, because it oh, kind of brings everything <laughs> to life, doesn't it? Yeah. I, 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 honestly, I think that's really important um, because I driving... 
these kind of transformational changes, it's, it's for, for a lot of people, it saps your energy because you're working long hours mm-hmm. on really complex stuff. Um, usually with businesses that are pushing against you as well, because it's not the way that things have always been done. Of course. Um, so it's, yeah, it can, it can be, you have to be quite resilient. So having mm-hmm. that energy, yeah, it helps. It helps for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Across your years then, obviously you've progressed very well, but I'm sure there's been some big challenges and road bumps in the way, but it would be brilliant to kind of discuss one notable story that really had a big impact, but you took a lot of learning away from it. I'll 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 tell you a fun fun story. (laughs) So again, back at my days at HSBC, um, you can imagine the kind of people that I'd be sitting around meeting room tables with mm-hmm. um and they weren't they they they, they 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 and they and they weren't in their late 20s um put it that way um so the interesting thing is i i felt at the time quite insecure in in terms of my my role and seat at that table um and despite kind of managing what was a large chunk of the business i kind of felt guys this, this is a big deal i i i feel like these guys are way more experienced than me they know exactly what they're doing wasn't the case at all I, I, it was all under control but that wasn't what I felt in inside um so to make me feel better about it I actually went to to Savile Row and went and bought myself a really posh suit oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah so most of your friends are probably in top man still I was at the time as well um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of felt like at the time that I needed, I needed that that suit. Yeah. To feel like I, I deserved that yeah. place at, at the table. That power suit. <laughs> yeah, and I remember at the time thinking, "Oh my god, this is a lot of money to spend on a suit. I could have, I could have a nice car for this." <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was one of those times where I thought I need I needed that to feel in myself like like I I had that seat at the table. And actually, it was it was my it was my kind of suit of armor. I thought, yeah. Yeah, I, I deserve this seat at the table. I'm, I'm here. It sounds crazy, but it really made a big difference. I can um, imagine, actually. Yeah, I can um, imagine. It's just little things like that, isn't it, that sometimes make the difference. I mean, yeah. our non-exec director, she's got a famous line, hasn't she, Sandra, where she says to yeah. us all the time, put your big girl pants on and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like someone saying, and it's like, yeah, actually, little things like that, they do make a huge difference in your company. Yeah, they did. And now I couldn't care less. Um, yeah. But I think with, with that, that only comes with the kind of experience and everything else that com- comes with it. Um, but at the time, that was really important for me. And that was, again, it was something I look back on really fondly. I kind of thought, actually, that, that, was, that was a big deal back, 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 back then yeah amazing yeah and if it gives you that little bit of confidence to go out there and sit with the board like you say probably a lot older they were probably triple the age of you back then when they double the age of you and uh yeah to give you that level of confidence that's fantastic brilliant fantastic um so i think that um kind of leads us nicely on to because obviously we talked about your leadership style you've managed um huge teams um and you know and it's great to tell the listeners about how kind of you have to adapt um to I guess because when you're managing a smaller team it's nice to have that control and it's hard to transition away from when you're increasing your teams and not having that control and having more trust and I guess giving your people more of a rope um and it's you know kind of I guess making those mistakes and, and learning from them 
what would you say um has been like kind of you know obviously you've worked for some very very big businesses um as well you've had some huge roles lots big responsibility um i'm sure along the way um there's been certain things that haven't quite gone to plan to to time scale within budget um there's probably been some pretty big kind of major fuck-ups excuse my french and <laughs> um, let's it'd be good to give us like one example of something that you probably lost sleep over maybe lost some hair like just you know that you'll never forget um and in hindsight may have done something differently yeah uh, there's, there's tons of those honestly uh, <laughs> I, 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 I would love to say all the way through it's been smooth sailing, but it's it's really not um I think in any of these things, you're constantly battling um, problems, challenges. Um, and I think if, if, if I think back to, to, to GSK, where, again, there's been so much transition and change and um, both organizationally and within the teams and based on what we were delivering, it was hard just to keep track of everything that was going on. Mm. Um, both everything we, we, we were delivering, the dates that we were committing to and everything else. Um, and one of my, my one of my biggest frustrations early on was there was a real culture of only flagging problems when they were a really big problem, and that was a real issue for me. Um, mm. But I think this, this was a tradition. Again, this is this is based on kind of different leadership styles. And my leadership styles, I'd like to know about a problem early early on because at least you can do something about it at yeah. that stage. If people are trying to fix a problem when it gets to a stage that they only escalate it when it's a really big problem, it's probably too late by that stage. Mm. Can't do anything about it. Um, and there was a number of cases, um, not just at GSK, but in, in various other companies before that. But I, I think GSK was probably most relevant for this because just the scale that we were doing stuff at across 100 markets, massive platforms, huge budgets, where... I, I really had to have a kind of big heart to heart with the team when, when I inherited them um, and took them over to kind of say, look, this doesn't happen anymore. I, I want every single issue, no matter how small, to be flagged, escalated, be aware of at any time, because I'd much rather make a small mistake that we can address early on mm -hmm. than have a huge mistake that I'm suddenly then going to have to go and talk to lots of people about and say, sorry, we've wasted millions of pounds and months of effort. Um, and that was a really hard cultural change for, for, for the teams because um, they'd been used to very different ways of working where they'd been leading huge programs of work um, where they were reporting on stuff and you'd get the rag status every week and that get escalated through multiple program managers. And I was kind of saying, no, do away with that. I, I want to sit in small kind of agile scrum teams and I want to be hearing about um, the problems as they happen not when they have happened and it's too late. So that, that's probably one of the biggest changes for me in learnings where um, being able to make those changes quickly and speedily versus yeah, mm -hmm. being too, too late. Cool. Fantastic. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to, um, to understand for me as well, if you, if you hadn't have got into tech um, at such a young age um, and obviously and um, you, um, you know, you were, you were just at university, on, you know, before the age of 30, you were already in a, a head off position. Um, you've kind of 
right the way through always followed that technical digital kind of career what would you be today what do you think you would have done if you hadn't have got into tech good question um if if i hadn't well, well, again look, looking back to the days of university if i hadn't listened to my parents um and gone and obviously gone and got, gone on the grad scheme and done done the big big career thing i think i would have gone an entrepreneurial type route mm. i think I, I i think i probably would have um continued along that route that i'd started at uni and actually built a business out of it um god knows what that kind of business would have been um but i think in, in heart of hearts i think I'm, I'm quite an entrepreneurial person um and I always enjoy the kind of intellectual challenge of um, working on complex problems and challenges. Um, I've always had a really strong network of kind of people around me who I can call on if there's a particular problem. Um, there's always people, somebody if I phone up, kind of, if, I, if I know that I've got a big challenge or problem, there's, I, I've always got somebody in my phone book that I can phone up and kind of say, hey, I've got this challenge. What do you think about it? Who's the kind of expert in that space who can give me some guidance and support? Mm-hmm. So, I think I probably would have used that to build a business of some sort around. Um, yeah, have no idea what that business would have been. But I think prob- probably Do you still have that bug now then? Do you think that's something that you could look forward to over the next couple of years? Is, yeah, is- I think that's, I think that's, well, I think t- twofold really. I think one in any big technology leadership role, I think you've got to be entrepreneurial. Yeah, of course. I think that's a core part of the job description. Um, but likewise, I think I think things like COVID and other pieces of that are, are forcing the need for, for entrepreneurialism in in businesses, yeah. and for them to work in very different ways. And mm-hmm. I think businesses struggle with that, especially big traditional businesses. So I think my niche, um, be it as a consultant or in a in a big kind of chief digital officer type role, is bringing that entrepreneurialism and innovation into big businesses like that. And, and I, I love that and really enjoy it. And um, I think that's, that's partially why um, I've taken on these kind of non-exec and advisory type roles um, at board level, because it, it's, re- it's really fun yeah. kind of challenging um, quite traditional boards to think differently and do things differently um, mm-hmm. and to challenge their kind of exec leadership teams to think about, right, how could you be using technology to, better serve your customers to operate more efficiently. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably core to me as a person. I'll, I'll definitely continue that. Brilliant. So not only have had, you had these big jobs and big responsibilities, but along the way you've won many accolades as well. You've, you've won quite a lot of awards, haven't you, throughout, the, throughout your career. But sometimes it's not the job titles and the awards that you win, but that gives you your greatest, your proudest moments, but it'd be great to hear from you what you believe your greatest um, achievement's been in life in general. So that doesn't have to be wow. career specific. Mar- marrying my m- wonderful wife would be number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, we, we, we actually met at work. Hey, really? Yeah, Where so did we, you meet? Whilst I was at HSBC. Oh, wow. So, so we, we, actually, we actually worked together in the, in, um, uh, both in the marketing department. So I was looking after digital at the time and, and she was running direct mail oh, at the time. Yeah. Um, she actually works for a cloud hosting startup now. All right. She's, she's cool. gone, to, gone, gone into tech as well. But at the, at the time she was running direct mail um, 
And it wasn't a great time to be in direct mail because everything was moving digital. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. she got made redundant. Um, but I, I'd, I'd never asked her out when she actually worked there because it's <laughs> going to start office gossip and it's, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> um, so it was only when she got made redundant, I thought, this is great. I can, I can pounce. I can, I can ask her out. <laughs> and, uh, and while she's in a fragile state with no job. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got no job and I'm in my Savile Row suit. I'll see if she wants to go on a date. <laughs> Luckily, luckily, she said yes, and uh, a long time later, it's it all worked out nicely. But um, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, Amazing. But, um, yeah that's lovely. Otherwise, big, big, busy, biggest success actually it's, it's the people you meet and the teams. Mm. It's, it's all about the people. Um, yeah. And so, it's, it's lovely to have all these things that are kind of CV worthy. But at the end of the day, it's the relationships and people that you meet that's the most important thing. So, if I if I look back my most fond memories um, are probably times with the teams that I've had um, kind of celebrating successes. So um, at GSK, there was a hilarious um, uh, kind of uh, meeting we had in India um, where we, we'd, I'd, I'd flown um, a few of the team out there, really important meeting on how we reshaped our operations in India. Um, and it was actually, a, 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 there was a festival going on that day. Oh, wow. And um, so there was no alcohol because um, it, it was a dry festival. And we'd had a really long day, literally from like 7 a.m. to like 7 p.m. in really quite tough meetings. And at the end of the day, we, thought, we, we, need, we, we need a drink. It's just, mm. it's been tough. A load of the team had flown in from like America. So they'd been on like 16, 17 hour flights. They're like, we just need a drink. And um, so we'd, we'd managed to find... Um, somebody who could go and get us a bunch of booze. Um, we sent, sent, sent them out and said, right, go, go and buy us just a couple of bottles of wine and kind of a case of beers. And then like underage kids. Yeah. To go and sit in, um, in my room, having a celebratory beer <laughs> and glass of wine at the end of the day, because we couldn't have one down in the bar. Um, but that was one of my, <laughs> one, I think one of my fondest memories of actually, yeah, very odd strange kind of having to do that but it just really really fun um and again being with a team that you can really just get stuff done with but but not mm -hmm. just get stuff done but can also kind of get on have a bit of fun with like that's really important that's great yeah. so um so that's it you know we've talked a little bit about the good times and the fun and the celebrations and some you know great achievements um and i'm sure given um you know the, the the size of the roles that you've had and the responsibility um that you've taken on that it's not all been plain sailing no. um along the way as as we said earlier um so in, with that in mind how have you managed the whole kind of stress of it all and have you stayed healthy and sane and you know kind of yeah have you managed yeah yeah there's, as I said there's there's equal amounts of tough times as there are kind of good times um for me, again, I, I probably let stress out in two ways. One um, is probably through exercise. Um, huh. So cycling, um, getting to the gym. Um, and, that, and that's probably what I spend my time kind of reflecting and kind of digesting on stuff as well. So yeah. if I jump on my bike and kind of do 20, 30 miles or whatever, it's just quiet. It's no distractions. It's, it's proper thinking time. And I, I kind of need that sometimes to kind of decompress. Um, and the, the other time is actually talking to people. Um, so 
even in my busiest times where I think I, ca I cannot find any more time, I will always find some time to actually catch up with um, mentors or just people I trust who I can kind of talk to about those kind of challenges and, and stresses and those kind of stuff. Um, and pe people who are kind of my trusted advisors and I'll have a small circle of people who I can kind of call in. If, if ever I've got a challenge like that, who I can just kind of say, look, can I just grab a coffee with you and bat some ideas around and, and see where it goes. Um, and um, again, they're in, internal to the kind of organizations I've worked in and external, um, but they're, they're a really important network that I've always kind of relied on to kind of, for me to kind of validate, is, is my thinking right? Mm -hmm. um, am I doing the right thing for both the people and the business? And then if, if, if it gets validated, you kind of think it's not so bad then, because a lot of times I've made some really tough decisions like letting large numbers of people go when you reorganize the department. And they're people, often I've let go people who I've, who I've really liked and are really mm. great, great people. But um, that's personally been really tough for me. And in those situations, it's where I've called on that group of people and kind of said, validated it. Kind of said, look, is it the right thing for the business, for the people, for the, for the greater team? Um, and if it is validated and everybody says, that, actually, that's, that's, that's solid, that's right, it's, it's the proper thing to do, then it, it makes those tough decisions less tough, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It's always it's nice to be able to have yeah, that support yeah. network. The sounding board, isn't it, that you need? Like, it's just, yeah, it definitely helps. Problem shared is a problem halved. It is, it is exactly. true. Exactly. And skiing. You like going away skiing. I do, I, I do, I do, like, I do like skiing. <laughs> I've only been once but um we went for Christmas actually last year to Bulgaria and um, my husband was saying actually the day was like, oh, I wish we could go skiing again where, where, did you, where did you go in Bulgaria I've been a few times um or if it's that's it I was yep. just gonna say I've completely forgotten yeah yeah loved it it was great yes. food was good it was cheap as well and so it's a perfect you know. place to learn to ski absolutely perfect yeah we're only beginners, yeah. No, no it's perfect. Fell down a fair few times. <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. Lots of blue and, and green slopes there. Good, good snow. Like I say, it's cheap. It's perfect for learning. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we can all get away again soon. Oh, I, I really hope so. Yeah. Where will you go first when you can get away? Well, I was supposed to be in Dubai. Um, Are we? Yeah, li literally, like last week. Because um, yeah. you I, and the wife. Yeah. Well. After suggesting around so much the last few years, I've got so many air miles I need to yeah, use. I can I'm, imagine. I'm now desperate to use them. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah, so we were supposed to be in Dubai um, last week. Um, I've got Singapore coming up. Oh, wow. Um, Do you think you'll be able to go? Singapore and Singapore? Fingers are firmly crossed. I hope so. Yeah. Fingers crossed for everyone, I guess. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we will. Um, so interesting times we're all living at the moment. And for you, it's particularly exciting. But what's next, Elliot? What are you most excited about and what plans have you got for now? So at the moment, um, I'm, I'm quite focused on this kind of interim consulting advisory type um, career I'm with. Um, at the moment, largely because I just think for the next six or 12 months with everything going on in the environment, I, I think that's a really good place to be. Yeah. Um, Great to be able to add so much value as well, because mm -hmm. you'll get a lot from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Pers personally, it's, it's really fun for me. 
Um, two, I think it's really helpful for, for businesses because yeah, they, they need help in those spaces at the moment. So, so for the next kind of six, 12 months, I think that's, that's probably where I'm focused. Um, ultimately, um, I'd love to be in a chief digital officer type role in a, in a, in a large kind of FTSE company. Um, but let's, let's wait, wait and see how that, that kind of works out. I, I think all of these pieces I'm doing now are, are a nice um, kind of ladder and route into, into that. Um, exactly so, exactly yeah. i'm sure um it won't be long before you'll sweep back up and in your next position yeah. anyway so <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure you say six to twelve months but i'm sure uh it could be, it could be. yeah yeah let's see mm. how things go so that's definitely super exciting for you and it was a fantastic opportunity to sit down with you today and find out more about your career so um yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast today if listeners do want to get in touch elliot is it best to kind of reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, what's the best form of LinkedIn, LinkedIn is perfect. Yeah, amazing. And then hopefully you never know, you might pick up some more advisory work off the back yeah, of you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, perfect. Well, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you so much for your time, Elliot. Great catching up. Thanks, Thank everybody. you. Take care.